can be a challenge. Um, and so we also partner as much as we can with people who are working on translating the Bible for another language. Like in Zambia, uh, we're, we're just getting related, uh, con- connection with a missionary in southwest Zambia. Uh, he's working with the Tongo language. Uh, we're, we're, we've done with the Chichewa language. We worked with that uh, uh, last year and the year before, and we hope to get the whole Bible uh, for, for the Chichengua uh, or the Chichewa Bible for that as soon as possible. We've worked with Nepali uh, translations, and we're working with Vietnamese uh, translations as well. And, and whatever we can do to help them is what we try to do. So our heart as a ministry, there's three reasons that we do this ministry. I wanted to share them with you really quick. Jesus Christ said in Mark chapter 13, verse 10, the gospel must first be published among all nations. That is actually a command, I believe, from the Lord Jesus Christ that we should be involved in getting the Bible in as many languages as possible before he returns. And that's what we do. We're going to do that at our church and in this ministry until the Lord comes back. The second reason we do this is because we started this ministry because there has always been a need worldwide for missionaries to have swords to do battle. I know of being on the mission field in several different countries where having a, even a copy of a John in Romans and being able to put that in the hand of somebody who could read it, because I couldn't read it, but they could read it, and they got saved. Their whole life was changed. The country was somewhat changed as well as, as we ministered to them. And so... Uh, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 27 says, Prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field and afterwards build thine house. And so we want to, we want to help have missionaries. We want to help them build the house of God in, in those countries. And the third reason, and this is probably the most important for you, is we do this because we believe that the local New Testament church is the God-designed caretaker of his word, and he wants us to publish his work. Psalms chapter 68, verse 11, he says, The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. And so, great company. So, everybody, that's why everybody's welcome, and we encourage everybody to come as often as possible. Our first Bible conference that we did was back in 2010, and we assembled 2,000 English Bibles for our own church, put them in our pews, and we gave out 5,000 New Testaments to our community. Uh, and then from that small beginning and, and on an annual basis, God has grown our ministry continu- considerably, really amazing. We started out borrowing machines uh, from another church in, in Kansas City, and later those machines were donated to us from that church. Uh, and then that started a rapid time of productivity growth. Our years, we, Over the years, we acquired additional equipment that made it possible to have a greater impact. We now have our own laminating machine, our own folding machine, our own automatic book stapler, high-speed digital press, which you saw in the video, cutters, binders, all kinds of equipment that we have now. Um, Now, all of our equipment that we acquired was used. And if you've ever bought a used car, you know what used means. Used brings used problems. And so we're... um, we're experiencing a significant number of failures that sometimes delays our, our completion, results in waste, and generally the Bibles are unappealing. I mean, the, 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 uh, the binds are, cut, are crushed, the covers aren't square, different kinds of problems that we want to get past. So we're trying to raise funds to buy a new trimmer and a new binder to eliminate these problems. So, I mean, if you want to help donate to that cause, see me after the church or just 
just send it down to Heartland Baptist Fellowship and mark it as equipment. They'll know where to send the money. Now, we partner with a lot of people in this ministry. We, we don't print the Bibles ourselves. Or we have that printer, but that's not for printing the actual text of the Bible. Uh, well, we partner with several other churches across the United States that have an effective print ministry and have had for many years, so I don't need to reproduce what somebody else is doing. Um, they print, we assemble. It's a fruitful partnership. And so we also partner with churches around the area who have members who want to be a part. So just as you saw the hands going up here uh, tonight already, we partner with churches around the country to assist us financially to fund projects as needed, whether it's to pay for the, the material, the, the signatures, shipping. Shipping is a cost. You know, it's, it's a lot of money to get a pa- couple pallets across the Atlantic Ocean into a country like a place like Africa. So we could always use help. So what are our goals? What are we trying to get accomplished with this? We have a goal to support missionaries worldwide and new churches with the Bibles. And we try very, ever possible to produce those Bibles and deliver them at no cost to the missionary. However, of course, just like everything, we do appreciate financial assistance for the printing, the assembly, and the shipping. So there's always that. But in 2016, we set a goal to grow this in this ministry to produce 100,000 scriptures a year, every year, and we're getting close. We're getting closer every year. Since 2010, we have produced over 93,700 whole Bibles. We've done 109,275 New Testaments. And I can't, untold numbers of John and Romans, I can't even keep track of all the John and Romans that we've done. So far this year alone, we have completed 45,000 scriptures, Bibles, New Testaments, John and Romans, and we've got 22,000 to do before the year's out. So we've got a lot of work to do. This year has been a working, uh, we work two to three times a year, I'm sorry, two to three times a month, and you're welcome to join us if you like. Come grab me and give me your contact info, and I'll put you on my distribution list if you want to come down and join us. It's very easy. You've already been trained. You know what to do. So that's basically it. It's, it's a ministry. that I love this ministry. We, we want to serve the Lord. We want to print. We want to get the Word of God out as often as, as we can to as many places as possible. There's places that I don't even know about that need the Word of God, and we're standing ready to do it as soon as the Lord calls on us to be a part of it. In your church and the people that are part of the ministry in this church has been a blessing to Word First for many years already and we thank you for the partnership there we thank you for all that you've done and so uh praise the lord for for the work for all those that uh i said my wife wasn't going to be here tonight she's over there (laughs) probably wondering why i'm up here with this great three ring notebook it was to get a rise out of tom Ten minutes, Tom. Ten minutes. I got this, bro. How do you tell people about three years of prayer, sweat, blood, tears, laboring to revive dead churches and out-of-the-way places? But they're held together by some of the most wonderful people that you can imagine who are at the very least prayer warriors. But in truth, they're much more than that. I know that if if they had not prayed, that I would not be there. And God has so blessed Karen and I 
in our time there. Well, that was then. And now that I'm there, I think they're probably praying a different kind of prayer. I don't know. Maybe. How do you revive a church in a town who believes they've already heard God's Word and just cannot imagine that you could have anything new to say to them? And as far as the young people are concerned, they didn't even want to hear what you had to say. But sometimes they were polite enough to listen. At least on the foreign field, your audiences are expectant. You're new. You're from another country. And you'd spent the money to travel there, so they figured you might have something to say to them. But in a rural, dying church, people who've heard the Bible preached to them, and in this church for over 100 years, they're wondering, who are you again? And what do you have to say that we haven't already heard? And I imagine it was much the same for Jesus. Because he says in Matthew 15, verse 8, he says, This people, they, they draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Sound similar? Or familiar? I think every pastor goes through this, and yet, if God has called you where you are, he has a purpose for you being there. And it's just a matter of keeping on, preaching, and teaching God's Word. Waiting for that one person, that one group, or that many, who will turn it all around. And I know it's not about numbers. It's about the one or the few or as many as God will give you. But those who desire to learn and to produce fruit for God's glory. When I was deciding... If I should go to Stockton, where? Oh, Stockton, oh, Kansas. When I was having one of those one-on-ones with God and trying to convince him that I knew better than he did, that I should stay in Blue Springs and continue to minister with Alan and this growing church, the Lord reminded me that if I was willing to go to Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Germany and the Philippines and even down in Africa to, for those disciples that he gave me there, Why not Stockton, Kansas? So I said to myself, Self, you've been so blessed by your wonderful Lord for so long. Why not Stockton? It's only 300 miles from here. But Lord, you you just gave me the money to buy a house and Karen and I are happy here. This is my dream job, working with Alan and Dave and Jim and all the other great Christians on the the ministry team here. Now I felt this deafening silence. Is that why that I put you here? To be happy? Okay, Lord. I'm a man under authority. And you told me once that before I had to obey those who were in spiritual authority over me. So I'll go talk to Alan and maybe he'll talk me out of this. (laughs) Well, that was a bust. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Alan was all for me staying. But God's voice was louder than his. I was reminded of John 10, 27. When he said, my sheep 
hear my voice. And they follow me. Then I thought, okay, I'll talk to my wife. Maybe she'll talk me out of this. Her reply was, yes, dear, whatever the Lord is telling you to do, you do. Well, I thought wives were supposed to be helpmates. And she is. But I like it better when she tells me what I want to hear. I wanted somebody to convince me that we should stay right here in our newly remodeled home where I could keep on discipling and teaching and getting into Dave Hill's hair. That is what he's got left of it. (laughs) So we sold our home, and it happened almost immediately, and we went to the Main Street Christian Church in Stockton. They even sent a couple down here to help us move. I think it was because they didn't want us to get away. But all I know is we went west, and I think Horace Greeley would have been proud of us. But after a time of being there, I began to realize that the church in Stockton is like so many others who have fallen victim to a series of poorly trained pastors who who are bereft of scriptural knowledge and have little spiritual wisdom or maturity. They know enough to know they're saved, but not enough to lead people forward and bear fruit for the Lord. And sadly, there are hundreds of churches like that, churches that God loves, who he longs to have them grow and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Here in Harvest Church, there were those who went before us. They gave us an example to follow our pastors. And those before them also suffered and struggled to raise up men and women who would follow Christ and bear fruit. And for those who have obeyed and have followed, well, let me show you some of the blessings that God has given me. And he always gives us more than we deserve. We were so blessed when the team here came out to help us during our VBS. You'll see some familiar faces up there. I just saw Mark in his cowboy hat. That's been a true blessing. Thank you, and God bless, and keep us in your prayers. We have been presented now. We have been presented. All right. So uh, I just wanted to say real fast, I know it's uh, impossible for all the details to be able to uh, say everything we've done, and you, uh, many of you don't even know us. Uh, I knew uh, Pastor Alan Shelby back when I was 18 and 91, and living in Kansas City for a year. I'm a third generation missionary. My grandparents on both sides were missionaries, and then my parents are missionaries, and that's me in the orange suit. I guess that was something back in uh, the 70s, I don't know. And then we, uh, we can go forward to seeing uh, uh, my parents. Uh, I grew up in Norway when I, from 4 to 14 years old. Then we came back to, to Mexico. Go ahead. That's just uh, the, the Norwegian suit, and that's my wife uh, as a kid. Um, I got saved when I was 4, and then we got baptized at 5. Gave my life to Christ at 11. And some of you guys remember me more with, uh, with curls, so... I just put that up to see if that jogs someone's memory. 
Um, and I gave. I knew I was going to be a missionary at the age of 14 when I did a uh, a play of the f- five uh, um, uh, martyr missionaries that were in Ecuador. Do you remember that story? And uh, I played the pilot. And after that, I just was bawling. And I knew that God wanted me to to follow in in suit. And so uh, that that's my little background. And we got married. Then uh, uh, I got married at the age of 20. I came to Kansas City. For Shepherd School, was here for a year, uh, went back, became a part of a, a, of a pastor's team of four, traveling to Acapulco, and this is my family, but go ahead. Um, so we went to Acapulco, that's where we started. I was 20 years old and uh, started pastoring a church at 20. Uh, that's, that's, that, that's scary. That's a, a lot of responsibility, and they're coming up to you asking for advice, you know, grandparents, and you don't even have kids. And so uh, you've got to rely on the Holy Spirit and the Word of God very much. But after six years, well, nine years uh, of, of, of work in Acapulco, uh, we left an indigenous pastor, Victor. He's uh, there on the right side. And, uh, but I want to just tell a story real fast because the lady in the pink, she was my, my wife's disciple, and um, she, she went through a lot of stuff with her husband. He used to beat her, beat their son, and, uh, and it just discipling her and helping her. She, she had an affair with, she's a teacher. She had an affair with one of her students. I mean, it was a mess of a kind of life. And, uh, and through discipleship, she got uh, straightened out, and that's her son that is now married and on staff of the church and serving God faithfully to this date. And that church has started uh, like seven daughter churches. Well, not all daughter churches, some grandchildren churches. And, uh, and including uh, two missionaries that were sent out from Acapulco to the Dominican Republic and to Panama. The one in Panama is still there today after... 13 years, and after 12 years, Dominican Republic, those missionaries came to work with us. You'll see their pictures in a second. Then we went to Chalco, because when we came back from deputation, they, they were so well-established with victories. You know, it's there. It's indigenous. Let's go somewhere else. So we went to Chalco, started with just two families, and in about, uh, we were there for 11 years, and he, uh, we discipled them to be able to take over. That's Mark and Sarah. And they are pastoring to this day. And they have started like four daughter churches as well. So they just continue to, to spread. Then we went to Mexico City. And I'm telling God, I don't want to move anymore because it's not easy to start from scratch. And this one was the worst. This one was the worst. It took us eight years to lay down a foundation. And just barely last year, really starting to give fruit the way we've always expected. But our mission is to worship God, is to connect to others, and to serve both. And we do that through the objectives of the Great Commission, which are, um, and, and that's the church now. Well, go back, go back. And there we are. Uh, this, this was the beginning of this year. We were still growing. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about Mexico City in a second. But our objectives are just like the Great Commission. It's evangelism. It's being fruitful. Uh, multiply and replenish the earth. It's evangelism, discipleship, and missions. But we just call it rescue lives, renew families, and reproduce globally. And what we're about then is salvation, sanctification, and saturation. And that's what we're trying to do uh, there in Mexico City. You can see some more pictures. This is one of my disciples. He, uh, uh, he was in, well, 
his stories, I, I just don't even know where to start. He's got so many stories. He was into drugs. He was into so much stuff when he was growing up. He finally became a Christian, but he was in so many different other churches uh, with other denominations. But now when he comes to this church, it's amazing to sit down with someone that when you, you spend time and you're just going through the lessons and you're teaching the Bible, and all of a sudden you'll just break out in tears. And just, uh, is, is everything okay? I'm just so grateful that I'm here in this church and I'm learning the word of God and you spending time with me. I just, it blows my mind. I mean, those are the kind of people you have no problems pouring your time and energy into, right? I mean, there's another, a lot of, plenty of other stories that I don't even want to tell of those who just don't care. But uh, because of him, he brought this family and Daniel is also my disciple um, Charlie, we don't know, might be a uh, future son-in-law. We don't, uh, there's, just, just pray for God's guidance there and no, and no emotionalism. But anyway, that's a family and God has just turned the attitude and spirit and the atmosphere in our church to where when I was here just last year, almost crying every time I talk about I don't know what's going on. I don't know if my best days are over. I don't know if I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And I'm just getting worse. You're supposed to get wiser over the years. And I felt like I'm just getting worse over the years because in the first two, Alcapulco and Chalco, I got to 200 pretty quick, you know, in six, seven years. But I've been here now eight years and I can't even get past 60. I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, from last year to this year, we've doubled. And now we're in the hundreds. And so it's just being faithful and discipleship and evangelism. And, and, uh, and, and Eric has been a great help. So we have about 40 to go out every Saturday between Saturday and Sunday to evangelize. And we have about, we have 19 disciples and right now a little over 50 disciples. And so we're waiting for this next year because when the third generation starts, that's usually when the fruit explodes, right? That's when the multiplication starts. And so we're just praying for that third generation. And that's my son, William, who disciples Charlie. And then if we can go to the next one. Uh, well, that's just uh, my disciple. They're evangelizing. And you see the church, how it's grown. Keep going. There you go. It's just, we're in a hotel. We lost our locale in the pandemic. We're in a hotel. But uh, as you saw in the video, we want to plant one church in each of the 16 townships. It's like New York. It's divided into boroughs. It's kind of similar. Each, each township has their own mayor, uh, but there's a federal mayor, a mayor that governs the entire Mexico City. So it's a, it's a special entity, and that's our vision anyway there, apart from sending people out. Now, Bobby, he was saved in our church, and that story is an awesome story, uh, but he got married to Dom during the uh, pandemic. He went to work with my dad in San Luis Potosí for a while. Now he's in Monterey. And now he just started uh, pastoring a church in Saltillo. Uh, he's been saved roughly around five years. And the guy is like no other disciple I've ever seen. Just gone through discipleship so quick. And he preaches. He's probably one of the best preachers I've ever heard. He's so good, so quick, so given over to God. And he was completely an atheist when we, when we first met him. So we praise God and know he's going to be sent out as a missionary. And he works in Salcillo. If you can go back, Jenny, um, in Salcillo, that's, we have uh, 13,000 square feet. Or what is it? I don't know. It's like a mini town. It's a lot of land. It's a lot of land. And, uh, and he's 
running it right now. He felt called to, to run that as he's also planning a church that's about 30-minute drive away from there. Because this is like an oasis in the desert. And uh, we, we, every year we have our youth encounter where all the churches of the networks, we have like 25 churches at network, and they all come together. I was a special speaker this year. We had like 600 and so uh, it's, it's, it's awesome what's going on. If you go to Monterey, you'll meet Bobby and Dom, and you'll, you'll be there. If you can go back to the slide real, well, okay, just real fast. Let me go through the prayer request. Um, we need financial support increased. We're probably at 30% of what we need. Um, we need a, a new sending church. Our pastor last Sunday just resigned. So if you can pray that God lead us to the right place. Uh, we've never really felt all these years that we have really ascending church. It's only been like by name on paper. And we're looking for a church that just will love us, support us, have our back. And so if you can pray for God's guidance there. Um, grace to be productive because I go through a lot. I have a lot of problems with my health. And I don't know why God allows that. But uh, uh, sometimes what we think is our limitations and our weakness is the source of our superpower. And so uh, we just trust God in that. We want to find our own place. Uh, we love being in the hotel, but there's always going to be uh, limitations. And we're trying to start a new English-speaking church there. There are like 35 English-speaking people in only one evangelic church uh, that preaches the gospel to them. And so we want to start that. What? What did I say? 35. 35? I said 35? 35,000. That's a lot of difference. Thank you. That's why my corrector is right here. And I, I don't have it as part of it, but I just, I just remembered right now. Can you go back to the picture of my mom? Um, she's probably in her last days. She's uh, any minute will go and graduate uh, spiritually to another level. And we don't have any good pictures there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's like back in the 70s. So she doesn't look like that now. But you don't want to see how she looks now. Um, but she's served, my parents have served as missionaries for 52 years, and uh, she has gone all over the world, and, and, and she's just so faithful. She smiles all the time, and even now when she can't speak, you just see this huge smile, and so, uh, uh, and pray for my brother and I, because it's very difficult right now. We're trying, we have a GoFund um, thing going, because we're trying to raise $15,000 to pay for all the hospital bills. The churches can help with so much, and my brother and I, we have so much uh, in credit cards, and we're maxing them out, and so we're just, uh, if you can pray that we can raise the money to pay for all that, and that she can have a comfortable and painless um, travel to, to her Lord and Savior, and it can be soon, you know, because if not, she's just going to be laying in bed and, and suffering, and my dad, it, it doesn't feel great about it either. I don't know if we have the two, time for the two-minute video. If not, maybe we can put it at the end. But that's, that's all I have to, to say. Thank you so much for having us. So here we are again. And, you know, once again, the praise has been so great tonight, praise and worship. And so, uh, Brandon, I don't know where Brandon went, but Brandon, you're just like Ringo Starr, man. We, we did it with, you know, I did it with a little help from my friends. I got by with a little help from my friends tonight, and, and so worship is great. And, uh, you know, so this is 
night three of version 1.0 of our Go conference. And so season one, episode three, here's what I've learned. And if you're taking notes tonight, you ought to write this down. It'll help you tomorrow. I'm just saying, here's what I learned tonight. Flexibility is the hallmark of spirituality. I don't know why you're laughing. Flexibility is the hallmark of spirituality. Uh, every night I've learned something, and every night I've seen that. And tonight, you know, it was like, well, um, if the wind's blowing too much, we'll move the food inside. Now, we don't have room inside. That's part of our facilities problem. But flexibility, we'll move the food inside. And so, you know, I'm walking around thinking, man, this is the way to do church. Here are kids running through the lobby and people eating spaghetti in here. And, uh, you know, there are sometimes I'd like to be, I would have liked to have been on earth at Jesus' ministry, but maybe, maybe not right now because, I mean, we couldn't, I mean, if, if the lobby would have been the equivalent of the court of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles are supposed to come in to pray, we could, you can't carry a vessel through there, much less eat spaghetti. And praise the Lord, we're not changing any money, although we tried to last night, right? Somebody lost some money, and that was mine, because any money that hits, uh, hits the ground is mine. <laughs> By the way, somebody lost a phone. If you haven't claimed it yet, they have it at the desk, I'm just saying. Um, that, that, I'm not joking now, that's, that's true, so... Uh, but, uh, you know, and we're not selling any doves for you to you make sacrifice with later, but it's like, man, praise God for the flexibility to do the things that draw the nations in to pray about serving the gospel to a dying world and draws them in instead of pushing them out. I mean, we are right on target with that. Somebody who... I hasn't been to our church, uh, you know, much. It mentioned to me tonight, wow, you know, your church is really diverse. I forget exactly what they said, and I took that as a compliment. And, and it was because, you know, a, a lot of churches are just so monochrome. And we got the nations in here. And to think that we can get your kids here, not just to have a good time, but in with that, to learn about, to hear from, to, to pray about the gospel being served to a dying world together. Uh, and so all we've seen tonight is the fact that flexibility is a hallmark of spirituality. So with, with Randy Foster, we, we see that in the Bible publishing ministry and things they've gone through and things that they did. And, uh, you know, we, 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 uh, we see that with Bob Matthews, uh, f flexibility, you know, um, uh, you know, Egypt, not Saudi Arabia, and, Arabia, and then and then Germany, not Egypt, and then here and not there, and then Stockton and not here, and and disciples every place, and ministry multiplied. Uh, you know, through that flexibility, and um, you know, certainly, uh, certainly with Scott and his family. Uh, you know, I appreciate him being here, and and I know they're glad to do it, but. I don't, th I don't think he wants to be here tonight. I mean, his mother is, yeah, and he's here. And, and they're spending time with us, and they're building into us, and they're, 
talking about what they got going on. So Romero will be coming up because I want to talk about you for a second. Here's an illustration of flexibility. So here's a, uh, you know, here's a boy who was a pastor's kid and uh, his dad in, in San Miguel, El Salvador. Now, San Miguel is no mean city, as, a, as, a, as it says in the book of Acts about Tarsus. It is a, it's a city of about 300,000. A bull bait. About 300,000 or so, and, and uh, so, so then his dad goes from there to plant a church in Gotera, so that's, that's a town an hour, hour and a half away, mm-hmm. uh, so his dad goes to plant a church in Gotera, and so then his dad sends him to plant a church in Corinto, which is a town up in the mountains. So we go from a city to, you know, to a, to a town, to really kind of a village up in the mountains. And that's where I first met Ramiro. And they had kind of the foundations laid. They're just laying the foundations. And his wife was pregnant yeah. uh, at that time. And uh, we had a good time together and, you know, bonded a little bit. And then, and, and then we went back. So, so then... From there, after 12 years there, he goes from there, so full circle, talk about flexibility, all the way back to San Miguel, because it's a city of 300,000, and goes to plant a church there. So in 2019, we took an all-church missions trip, not because the whole church went, but because, you know, we did a pastor's conference, we did a family conference for the church, uh, we did uh, medical, we had medical teams going out, and there was some sports stuff, we did VBS, and we thought we'd just be doing VBS, you know, like at the church or something, but... San Miguel invited us into the public school. We did a VBS, like a three-day VBS at the public school in, in San Miguel. And just, you know, incredible opportunity. And then the pandemic hit. And, uh, you know, so, so Tom and I have gone. But flexibility, flexibility. And, and we want to look forward to going again. But now here's, here's the thing. He's kind of in the same situation, Scott. I know his heart. He doesn't want to be here tonight. I mean, I know he's happy. He's happy to be here. He's happy to preach to you. He's happy to help us out. But on Sunday, Hurricane Julia hit uh, Central America and then traveled up to El Salvador and hit El Salvador yesterday. And they've been flooded out in San Miguel. And I'm going to let him tell you about that. But I know his heart. I know he'd, he'd rather be there with his people than with us. So, so, Ramiro, I love you. Thank you for your flexibility. That is a hallmark of spirituality. Love you. Buenas Nuevas Harvest. Since we start a church in San Miguel whose name is Buenas Nuevas, you should not say anymore Buenas Noches in Latin America. You should say Buenas Nuevas, right? So you, I, I, I want to teach you Spanish tonight before we see a little, uh, a little video uh, because I'm nervous. I, I can tell you I'm really nervous. I was telling my wife, what am I doing in here, right? <laughs> what am I doing in here? But I found, I found something that if you say two words, I get better, right? So, will you help me tonight? Yes? Will you learn Spanish? Okay, this is what I want you to say. Yo iré. Yo iré. 
Say with me. Yo iré. Yo iré. One more time. Yo iré. Yo iré. So if I am nervous during the, the, the preaching and I tell you I'm nervous, I want to hear, yo iré. yo iré. Okay, where, you, where are you going? Because you're saying, I will go. If you say, I'm, yo iré a México, I'm, I'm happy with it, right? If you say, yo iré a República Dominicana, happy with it, right? Or, yo iré a Zambia, good. But if you say, yo iré a San Miguel, I will be lots better, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I want you to say, yo iré. One more time. Yo iré. Great. I, I like this. Okay, let's start. I want to show you a video, a very short video of what happened yesterday. Yesterday, while we were singing, uh, San Miguel was floating. Uh, I, uh, I was taught by my father that when we are at church, you should not be checking your phone, right? But I did last night. I did. Uh, I was learning so much about the preaching. I love the preaching. And then, but they would say, Pastor, what, we, what, what do we do? And the other pastor say, hey, can we open the church for a family that lost everything? And say, look, you are the pastor. Do whatever it takes. Do it. And they brought in a family into the temple. And we were loving last night seeing a four years church taking care one on another. I was great. I was awesome. So I want you to, to pray for San Miguel. I really don't know what everything is going there. I, I know it's bad. I'll be back in more than a week. But I trust the church in which we are. I trust the men we have trained. But I would love you to pray for them right now. Will you pray with me? Lord, I ask you tonight for San Miguel. For some reason, you took me out of Corinto. That mountain I love. And that church I was so in love with. But I needed to leave. And I was praying for Panama. And I was praying for Uruguay. I was praying for Mexico. But you say San Miguel. And I obeyed you. And I told you one day that the only city I didn't want to go was San Miguel. You are my God. You are my Lord. And you take me back to the same city where my, past, where my father and pastor start. And I obeyed you. And if you have me there, it's for something. So I pray you for the church and for the other churches we are working with. And Lord, that you help every family that lost everything. But over it, that we can preach the gospel to them. And for those that have been not listening, that with it, they open their eyes. They open their, their ears and their heart to you. Understanding that the most urgent need they have is the salvation that you offer to each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Let's go to the Bible tonight. Thank you for learning Spanish. And I hope you help me tonight while, while I'm preaching. Uh, it is hard to preach in, in Spanish. It is worse to preach in English because it is not my language, right? So uh, we will do it tonight in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we will talk about tonight is about what every disciple should know. What every disciple should know. It means that everybody, everyone in this room must know what we will see in the Bible tonight. And um, you, what you will hear is half of the message I preached to the pastors uh, this launch. And then uh, the other half is what you have to do uh, with the disciples. But it is because I believe the foundation is the same. So what every disciple should know about the process that heals the integral death of human being. A Gallup's investigation poll based on telephone interviews conducted May the 2nd the to May the 22 in 2022 with random samples of 1,007 adults aged 18 years and older living in all of the 50 states and the district, and the district of Columbia uh, with the 95 confidence level revealed that a record high 50% of Americans rate the overall state of moral values in the U.S. as poor. And another 37% says it is only fair. Just 1%, the crazy one, think the state of moral values is excellent. And 1,200% say that, that it is good. Although negative views of the nation of moral values have been the throughout Gallup's 20 years trend, the current poor rating is the highest on record by one, percent, one percentage point. To better understand where Americans see problems with, um, with moral values, Gallup asked respondents to name the most important problem with the state of moral values in the U.S., more Americans cite consideration of others than any other issue, as was the case when Gallup previously asked this question 10 years ago. Beyond consideration of order, racism, lack of faith, religion, uh, lack of moral, sense of entitlement, and lack of family structure are mentioned 5% to 8% of U.S. adults. Racism was less commonly mentioned in 2012 than it is now. The bottom line, Gallup says, is American, Americans' view of the state of moral values in the U.S. are dismal, and their expectations for the future are grim. This has generally been the case over the course of the 20 years trend. But negative ratings of the current state of moral values are worst they have ever been. A lack of consideration for others is cited as the top problem, but racism has crept up as an issue. And I don't know what your opinion might be possibly about Gallup's polls and investigations. However, I want to call your attention to, to their conclusion. I believe that, in fact, it reflects that the state of church in general within the U.S. Even good churches stop growing when they have a lack of consideration for others. To be clear, let me declare my thoughts around it in just one sentence. When you do not go 
You are part of the problem. And if I have to correct myself, I have to say, when you do not go, you are the problem. Because you have the truth. And you keep quiet. I firmly believe we have the solution. Please listen to the defined article. The solution. We don't have one of the solutions. We don't have one form or one way to see things. God gave us the solution for the green moral and ethics values, not only within the USA, but all around the world. The fundamental reason for the moral and ethics condition is the spiritual death of man since Adam and Eve. That spiritual death is the source of all sorts of problems. Namely, racism, discrimination, lack of faith, or, or, or lack of religion, lack of moral, whatever it is. The problem is the death, the spiritual death people has around the world. And tonight I want to tell you to a passage on the Bible that paints the most beautiful picture of how our God heals the integral Death, I, I mean spiritual and physical of the human being. As you might understand, I would love to be back in San Miguel to help people. But to tell the truth, the problem is not that, that their house is knocked down or that they lose things. Yes, it is sad. And yes, yes it is a problem. But the real problem is that they are dead. And if they, if, they take, if they lose their life today, they will get into a worse place. That's the problem. Come with me, please, to Second King chapter 2. Second King chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, Did I not say unto you, Go not? And then men of the city said unto Elijah, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord seeth, but the water is not, and the ground barren. And he said, Bring me a new cruise, and put salt in, and they brought it to him. And he went forth unto the spring of the waters, and cast the salt in there, and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death of, or barren land. So the waters were healed unto this day, according to the saying of Elijah, which he spake. In this passage, we, we see a beautiful picture. How God heals. How God heals the death in this world. And how he wants to use you in this particular uh, duty. The first lesson we learn in this chapter, in this passage, is that the disciples should know that, that the Word of God is the active ingredient in the process that heals the integral, spiritual, and physical death of the nations. Yes, it is the Word of God. But the problem with the pastor and the problem with the many missionaries is that they believe that they program, is that, they, that, that what they do is going to save people. 
the only thing that can change the life of people is the very word of God. As you see in this, this story of the Bible, is the story of Jericho. Elijah is in Jericho, a city about which Joshua pronounced a curse so that anyone who rebuilt the city would do so at the price of the of life of his firstborn and youngest son. City, in this city is where Elijah is, where, and we found him there, uh, waiting for those 50 men, 50 men that weren't looking for Elijah's body just in case the Spirit of Jehovah had thrown it into the mountains or in a valley. And in verse 19, the men of the city of Jericho came to Elijah to expose the tremendous problem they were living. The city was pleasant, but had, according to them, two irreparable problems, bad waters and barren ground. And you, I want you to, to put in your mind those men coming to Elijah. I can tell you that people in San Miguel is looking for the city major or for the president or for somebody to help. Telling them, hey, look, I lose everything. I lost my house. I lost my, 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 my clothes, everything. Those guys come to Elijah saying, hey, we have a problem. We have a beautiful city. But there is bad waters and ground, um, barren ground in there. Verse 20 says that Elijah immediately, immediately asked for two things. And he said, in verse 20, and he said, bring me a nucleus and put salt in. And they brought it to him. Look at this. Elijah didn't pray. He didn't say, look, look, look let me meet with the board of the church and ask them what, what we should do. He didn't say, look, give me a month to pray and we will see what we can do. Elijah immediately said, I need two things. New vessels and salt. Kind of strange, that prophet, right? New vessels and saw what it can do for the province of that, of that city. In verse 21, we see that Elijah got up and went to the spring of the waters, carrying the new vessel containing salt. As soon as he reached the spring of the water, he threw the, he cast the salt, but not the vessel, in the springs of the waters. And he declared the word of God. Thus says the Lord, I have Heal these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. What words he say? Because it is God who says. And in verse 22 uh, declares, So the waters were healed unto this day according to the saying of Elijah, which he spake. And you see the context. It is God who talks and Elijah uh, says what the Lord said. If I can give you an example. In the pharmaceutical industry, the active ingredient is the component that produces the therapeutic effect of the medication of what gives it its name. For example, ibuprofen, losartan, salbutamol, omeprazole, or levothyroxine, whatever the name is. It tells you what is the active ingredient. And this is what will bring a heal to the people. 
In culinary arts, the chef secret ingredient is one that gives the touch of a special flavor to his food. For example, salt, oregano, basil, pepper, parsley, laurel, whatever it is, they have something that puts season to, the, to their, to their uh, recipe. In this case, the salt was the active ingredient, the secret of Elijah for the healing of the waters. It's like, uh, like we do in, in our areas, wherever you are serving to the Lord. A, a, a broken marriage comes to you and say, what we can do, pastor? And, and a young guy that is lost and, and, and destroyed by drugs asks you, what we can do? And we always bring the Bible and say, let, let me tell you what we can do. Some of them think that we are crazy. But the salt, the salt is the secret, the active ingredient. But why you say, Pastor, that in this passage is a picture of the physical and spiritual health of nations? Well, the problem, according to Jericho men, were two, naughty waters and barren ground. But Elijah only dealt with bad waters and not with barren ground. Because the problem of the ground was actually a consequence of the problem of bad waters. If we can get a verse in the Bible to understand this, it's Jeremiah 2.13. Jeremiah 2.13 says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. This passage declares that Israel's problem was that they left God's source of living waters and built broken cisterns. Note that Israel's spiritual death is described as a water problem. Not that they did not find waters, because they found some waters, perhaps. But they were bad waters. Waters that they did not satisfy their need. And what they needed was living water. But we already understand that if the problem of Jericho is is bad waters, and it talks about life, spiritual life, what is the purpose of salt? What does salt mean in there? Well, Leviticus 2.13 and we don't have the time to study each verse, but Leviticus 2.13 says, The salt of the covenant of thy God. And because of the time I, I have left, uh, I got to go uh, quick. But please check out this. The salt of the covenant of thy God. This is the, the, God, the way they call it in Leviticus. And then in number 18.19, By a statue of ever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord. In, in this passage, it is uh, talking about what has, was to be given to Aaron and his descendants. But I want to uh, call your attention to those words by a statue of forever. It is covenant of salt forever before the Lord. 
And then in Second Chronicle 13, 5, uh, there is a, a rhetorical question that, uh, about David. And, and as you know, the, the whole Bible says that the, that the same thing, that the kingdom, that David's kingdom is, for, is forever by covenant of salt. The, the verse says, O ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom of Israel, over Israel to David forever even to him and to his son by a covenant of salt. And listen, there is only one thing in the whole universe that meets all these requirements. Only one thing in the whole universe. That is a covenant of thy God, that is a, a, a statue forever, a covenant of salt forever before the Lord. Or, or, or uh, forever a covenant of salt. There is only one thing. Only one thing that I know. And this is the spoken word of God. When he says it is. It is. And if you study those verses. You will find out that it is talking about his promise. That in Christ. He was going to save us. That's the reason they needed to put salt to every, every offering they brought to the altar. Because the salt was telling them, look, the animal is going to be burnt. And, and, and it is going to be gone in a couple of minutes. But my promise is going to be there forever and ever. And this is the solution. This, it makes sense when you read John 7, 37, 38. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. Living waters for anyone who believes in him. That is living waters for him who put his faith in him. In the perpetual covenant made by God that in Jesus Christ we will be saved. Therefore, we can affirm with the authority of the Bible that the spoken word of God is the active ingredient for the spiritual and physical health of all nations. It's the word of God. Hey, look, we do all of those things, but BVS is not the key. We do make camps, and we, we, we love to have uh, uh, Pastor Alan, when he come and t- teach to the pastors in the middle of us. Listen, that's the key. The Word of God. The Word of God. As in Jericho, there was death. Because of natural waters, today we live in a world of death. Demonstrated by the deterioration of all the moral and ethical values we just talked about. No matter what we do, if we do not preach the world, there it will be death. And a spiritual death produces a Society sank on green moral and ethic values and ultimately eternal damnation in hell. And you have, let me tell you with as much strong as I can, you have the medicine that cures spiritual death. 
But if you do not go, there is no hope for the world. There is no hope if you don't go. Do not tell me that you are going just because you have missionaries in here. It is good. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you very much. But you got to go. You got to go to your neighbor, to your school. There where we cannot get. But you are already in. If you do not go, there is no hope for the world. There is a second uh, principle that we can learn in this passage. Is that the disciple should know that the individual believer is the necessary vehicle for the active ingredient in the process that heals the integral death of the nation. It's not the pastor, not only the missionaries. It's the individual believer that is the necessary vehicle to take the word. As you see among the things Elijah asked to heal Jericho, the, the, the Jericho's naughty waters, uh, the, that cursed city was a curse. An earthenware pot of, or jar, namely vessel. But it wasn't any vessel. It had to be a new vessel. Yes, it had to be a vessel and it had to be new. In verse 21, we see that the vessel is no longer mentioned. But it is implicit in the context that Elijah travels to the spring of the water, transporting the salt, the salt and the active ingredient in the new vessel. If we got to talk about the pharmaceutical industry, a vehicle is needed to facilitate the incorporation of the remaining elements to the active ingredient. And to allow a better dosage and administration and to give consistency and form to pharmaceutical preparation. This can be water, oil, or alcohol. They put this vehicle because this is the only way that the medicine cat can get into the body. That's the way. That's how it gets uh, to a pill or a liquid or, or uh, whatever form it takes. It needs a vehicle. And if you remember, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. This is the plan of our Lord, to take vessels with salt in it to save the world, to heal the world. The vessel carried by Elijah were sought. The vessel that we are has the Holy Spirit. However, the context makes it clear that we preach Jesus Christ as Lord through the Holy Spirit. And with this, Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore. It's talking to the, to the earthen vessels. God knows that he's not sending superheroes. He's sending vessels. Earthen vessels. It, and he tells us to go. And to go is not only to go to the other side of the world. You can go to your mother, to your father, to your uncle, to your cousin. Those people in need around you. In Matthew 5.13 it says, Ye are the side of the earth. 
Well, this gospel, the gospel of Matthew, is aimed at, Jewish, uh, at a Jew, Jewish audience. Even so, it makes it clear that people are the salt of the earth. And those people referred to the, in this passage are Jews who in the millennial kingdom of Christ must be salt and light to the world. However, from a devotional perspective, individual believers must be open books so that the world can see the message of redemption through Jesus Christ in our life. Ye are the salt of this earth. There is people that if you try to bring the Bible out, they won't listen to you. But if you leave the world in front of them, they will listen before you take your Bible out. We are to be the salt. Let me give some application before, before we finish. The vessel is weak. Yes, the vessel is weak. Earthen vessel, uh, vessels are mostly broken vessels. Do you understand it? That our God was not expecting the most expensive uh, vessel around the world. He knew what we were going to do. He, know, he knew who we were going to be. But he said, I want that vessel. I want that broken vessel. I will make it new. And I will put, put salt on it. And I will reach the world. Amen. Do you know that our Jesus did the most incredible thing around the history? He conquered the world with 12 crazy guys. And one of them was Judah, the traitor. And he changed the world with those vessels. And our world needs those vessels. But those vessels are not only weak. Also, are, those vessels have no right. Did you see in the story that Elijah didn't say, bring me please the red vessel I put in some place? It didn't mention any name. He just asked for a vessel. He said, bring me a vessel, please, and bring me salt. And we will fix it. So it means that if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you don't have rights. You are of him. And whenever a Jericho appears in front of us, he might use you. But the vessel also must be new. Must be new uh, because it has to be a spiritual, a spiritually alive and clean. Because God does not wear dirty earthen vessels that contaminate the message. And because God gives new life, a spiritual life, when you first trust in Him. In fact, if you were are going to tell me that God cannot use you because that or that. This sin or the other sin, let me tell you this, that this is the reason he died on the cross and offered us forgiveness. For in his blood, there is forgiveness. And no matter what, no matter what you have done, there is forgiveness in him. And he can use you one more time. Because he is a God that forgives and uses empty earthen vessels. Now you put in there salt 
and it is ready. But this vessel, we must say, is not the medicine, but it is important. Am I important? And this, yes, you are. Yes, you are, madame. Yes, you are, gentlemen. And it takes us to our last point tonight. The disciple should know the miracle that happens when they go under the leadership of a man of God with the message that heals the integral death of human race. If you could understand what happened when you obey and you go and you see God, our God of mercy, changing life of people. People that comes to you with tears in their eyes saying, thank you. Thank you for telling me the truth. They find life in Jesus. I like when in verse 21, Elijah said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. I I want you to to think about U.S. If, If God could say, I have healed U.S.A., that would be great. What if he say, I have healed El Salvador or Mexico or Republic, Dominican Republic or, or, or Zambia or every, every place in this world. Macedonia. Spain. I have healed these waters. And listen to this. There shall not be from thence any more death. Barren land. What a word we have. What a promise. Verse 22 says, So the waters were healed unto this day. In in case you didn't understand, the Lord repeated it to us. So the waters were healed unto this day according to the saying of Elijah, which he spake. In medicine, the greatest, the greatest joy is to say we have the cure for such and such illness. As you might remember, when they got the vaccine for COVID, they start saying, yeah, we have millions of do- I mean, we have the cure for it. <laughs> we have it, right? Okay. They growl, they, they celebrate when they find, find something, Right? In the kitchen, the greatest, the greatest accomplishment for a cook is when you enjoy their food. And you say, wow, what a, what, what a food that was. You know what that my wife, you know, what, what they do. She asks me, do you like it? <laughs> and you know, you know that you are in a danger in that very moment, <laughs> right? What do you say? What do you say? Yeah, that was good. I said, no, no, no. You're lying to me. You're lying to me, right? Okay. But in missions, the greatest achievement is to see another change life. Another change life. That that man, like my brother was sharing, with no hope, has changed life. Because they preach the word. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, no matter who they are, if they are in Christ, he is a new creature. 
old things are passed away. Behold, old things are become new. You read it? You read it? All things are become new. All things. In verses 18 to 20, those verses declare that we, have, that we have been given the ministry and the word of reconciliation. And that God prays for the hidden to reconcile with him through us. It says, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To with that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the war of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors, ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ, in Christ still, be ye reconciled to God. And then in verse 21, declares the price paid by Christ. For he hath made him to be seen for us. Who knew sin, who, who, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you know that Jesus died in the cross? Not to give people a new roof. Not to keep them clothed. Even when it is good, he died to give them new life. New life. And this is all about. I got to finish. But let me say this. When you don't go, you are guilty. You are guilty of the, guilty of the social issue of lack of consideration of others. When you don't go, you are guilty of racism and discrimination. When you don't go, you are guilty before the law of disobedience. But when you go, you are part of the process that heals the integral death of human beings. And you should go as we learned yesterday in that great message preached for Pastor Gary Hale. In the authority of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Ghost, and in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we learn Sunday, you can say that it is not your responsibility, or that you are not capable, or that you uh, is not that bad as they say, or that uh, we will wait until tomorrow. But you gotta go. If you don't go. And I'm not talking about uh, Russia or I'm not talking about Argentina or, or, or China. Or, I'm not talking about this only. It means your community. You're very low people. Go to them and tell them what the Lord says. Be a vessel and earthen vessel with salt in it and it will change the world to be on missions is to be part of the process that heals the integral death of humanity as it says serving the gospel to a dying world we are 
in a dying world. And you have the cue. If you don't go, you are guilty. But if you go, you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and by the work done by Jesus in the cross, you and me change this world. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this book. Lord, I ask you, that if there is somebody that thinks that can be used, that this message, let them understand that you want to use them.